Yeah, yeah. I think I think I put myself in an unnecessary box. And when we talk about that, we consider people to be like a balloon with an infinite capacity for expansion. However, when we talk about thinking outside the box, pushing the envelope, change does not take place. Growth does not take place inside that comfort zone. No. And when we help people label and identify the bonds and the barriers that created that comfort zone, be it drugs or alcohol or depression or anxiety or codependence, any, any, any number of those things. So when we identify and label those bonds and barriers, then we can step outside them. And I believe that kind of with your humor, this edgy type of humor, you're challenging people to be uncomfortable. Yeah. And to press themselves against that comfort zone and say, wait a minute. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, well, because I already know when I'm going into it is what I'm going to talk about isn't the easiest thing to to talk about for people, right? So my my focus is, well, how do I get people to to just be a little bit more comfortable with, with what they are going to be uncomfortable with? So I have to so I I think humor is a great way to do that. The second you can make somebody laugh, you can you can get them to start thinking about some cuz the defenses are down. Right? It's it's like uh you know when you're when you're at the bar and you're hitting on whoever like just a random stranger, well that girl's not going to want to talk to you, but the second you make Whoever you're hitting on, whether it's a girl, guy, whatever, right? Like whoever you're hitting on, you you make them laugh. The defenses are a little bit down, and that you know, like now you can actually have a conversation with them. It's the same thing with trying to do something more issue driven. I think comedy is a great vehicle for that. So so I think comedy is a great way to t- tackle heavy subjects. So you're talking about helping people be comfortable with difficult situations. When yeah. usually, when usually people's defense mechanisms to deal with unpleasant or unwelcome or difficult situations is usually just to avoid it or pretend that it doesn't exist. Yeah, and and that's part of the the resistance that I get is the notion that you can't talk about it because it's uncomfortable or it's not clean, you know, or it's it's uh it's a little bit too, you know, rough and edgy and well we don't have a definitive solution for this. So Maybe don't address, you know, police brutality, or maybe don't address religion. Maybe don't address why white supremacy exists still in a in a society that we call modern and progressive. We don't have a clear cut solution. So maybe you, as a comedian, shouldn't be addressing it. And I disagree. Now you don't have to address it, right? Comedians don't have to do this, but I think it's a great way to get people to talk about it if that's your goal. So for me, that's always been something that I've given a shit about. I've always cared to make sure that, well, maybe this difficult thing isn't going to get solved if we keep ignoring it. And it seems to be affecting a lot of people's lives, including the comedians that are refusing to address it. To hell with it. I'll, I'll, I want to talk about it. And if I can make it funny, even better. You know that's, but that's the fun part to me is the challenge of t- taking the the absurdity and and the the ludicrousness of the of the behavior and the dark parts and trying to twist them to make them funny. That's that's a fun challenge. You know that's exciting to do. It keeps 
it keeps things exciting for me. And if I'm excited and I show that I'm excited, of course, the crowd's going to come on board with me. But if I'm going to take this as a, you know, just as a regular job that I don't really even care about going up there and reciting something does no anybody any good creatively or, you know, addressing social uh, issues. It just does no good to anybody. So you can lead a horse to water. You cannot make them drink. However, you can make them thirsty. <laughs> so, what you're, so what you're talking to me about, what you're talking to us about, is the vehicle that you use to make people thirsty and perhaps listen mm. and, ha and have an open beginner's type of mind, as the Buddha would say, uh, is to do that through humor to have them relax a bit and say, you know what, this guy's not preaching at me. Yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> I, uh, I, I have gotten that before. I've gotten that I'm, I'm a little too preachy uh -huh. before. Um, but when you're kind of working with bigger ideas, in order to unpack them, we have to assume that there's probably a bunch of people that don't know what this big idea is, right? Uh, so if we're going to address the idea of positive psychology or just the idea of finding happiness within your life and where that comes from, we have to unpack some of these things. That means introducing these ideas, but all of these little parts to it, introducing the idea, defining this thing, you know, talking about different ways that you can find, that's all opportunities for jokes. That's all opportunities where, and you know, it's stuff that I learned uh, from from when I was talking about my parents, when I was talking about, you know, being Indian and doing the Indian accent and goofing about, uh, you know, small little racial stuff. You know, I learned how to write the jokes beyond that. So now it's like unpacking that as, oh, I take that skill and apply it to this, right? So, yeah, it becomes it becomes a vehicle to do that. You speak a great deal in your stand-up acts and in your own uh, personal blog, mm -hmm. uh, Forkful of Noodles, yeah. uh, different teams think that about the communication, miscommunication, misinterpretation, mm -hmm. or complete lack of communication. <laughs> yeah, I just don't think, um, at this point in time, I don't think we're very good at talking to each other. And I think part of that involves uh, this this notion of, well, I need to be right and you need to be wrong. Rather than, well, maybe I see things differently than you and that's okay. But let's figure out where we differ and why we differ and see if there isn't some way we can make this amicable, right? In an ideal world, that would be the 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 way we could go about some conversations but with and i think it goes back to like wanting to be wanting to be famous right wanting to get that viral video wanting to get uh, get known for for something is you say something outrageous you want to sensationalize it you want to hyperbolize things right off the bat it's clickbait it, that's that's what's getting those clicks baby you know the clicks get the money so in that world uh empathy and Taking people's feelings in regard, taking people's beliefs in regard, and and showing respect to each other, just goes out the window because so it's not about you're talking yeah. about empathy, and you're talking about talking with somebody rather mm -hmm. than at them. Yes, and yeah. what people don't understand is that 
90% of communication is listening. <laughs> so most, most of the idea is that when most people talk and another person starts to talk, they maybe listen 20%, but mostly they're formulating about what they want to say back. Right. Yeah. And to, to kind of take that back to comedy, that's the interesting aspect of it is doing long form comedy. And my web series is like, at this point, each of the episodes that I put out are about 12 to 18 minutes, something like that. They're, they're longer episodes. And you know, there's a lot of people that are like, oh, maybe if you make them shorter, more people will want to listen. But the problem is you can't do that because these topics deserve the time and attention. They deserve taking uh, a little bit more in-depth analysis, taking a little bit more care to talk about them. So me just rushing through it in four minutes and, you know, saying that if you deny climate change, you're a moron. There are five <laughs> hurricanes that just happened. <laughs> right. Is like, that's not the right. That's not a way that. No, you, that's that's an attack. That's Chris. an attack. Attacks take attacks are quick. But formulating a formulating a way to address and communicate with each other, that takes time. Well, have you ever come up to someone and said, you're a moron if you believe that? And they might think back and say, well. I guess you're right. Again, right. How often does that happen? <laughs> I have I have yet to see proof yet to, that, yet to yeah. have that happen. Yeah. Huh? So far it's a zero percent. <laughs> so when we attack people, it's it, it it's, all that does is set up a confrontation. Yeah, and I think that's but that's what is exciting for us. You know, we've we've kind of built this world of well, if you confront them. Boy, are you you know? Boy, are you the great one? You know, we we see all these things where. it's somebody on fox news uh and they just called the 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 new anchor the news anchor an asshole it's like oh look at this finally someone says it as it is it's like no you just insulted somebody cool i'm glad you were able to say that to somebody else's face and because that person bill o'reilly might be a jackass and be deserved to be called a jackass but at the same time you have not done anything to change Bill O'Reilly's mind about women's rights. You've done nothing to do that, right? You've just made him kind of feel bad for a minute, and then now he's just angry at you and anybody that thinks like you. You know, like, so we haven't arrived to a conclusion. <laughs> we, uh, we talked earlier about, well, the individualistic, individualistic type of society yeah. that we yeah. live in, where we're surrounded and bombarded by sights, sounds, and images on how we should be and what we should be thinking and how others will think so much of us if we only look, smell, and taste like this. Mm-hmm. So quite often when I deal with people, I ask them to admit their part in the mess that's created and the other party to admit the part in the mess they created. A debate, a debate contest in a debate society is you have to prove someone wrong. Right. Basically, you have to prove, you have to say, your ideas are pieces of crap. They are worthless. <laughs> now listen to me. I am right. Right. So, and, and they get points for that. They win. As in war, there are no winners in war. There, no one ever wins an argument ever. Okay. No. Yeah. I mean, look at relationships. Is can can anyone legitimately say that they've won an argument in a relationship? And if you have, it's probably because you're not in a relationship anymore. That, well, right? like that's that's I've I've never been in an argument with any significant other that hasn't ended with both people being like, no, no, no. 
maybe I shouldn't have uh, thrown that at your head. That was that seemed that seemed to be uncalled for. Or maybe I shouldn't have I shouldn't have called you the c word. You know that seemed to be a little uncalled for. Well, the whole idea is when <laughs> when both parties admit their fault in it, then there can be some compromise. Right. Right. I often you and I talked earlier before we started recording about having a debate format where the a compromise has to be reached. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's the winner. But that takes time. That's not that's not an easy process because uh, again you're unpacking two different belief systems. Oh, right. and we often talk about on this program about how we live in a microwave world right. where we want the popcorn in three minutes and Quick. we want drive-in uh, dry cleaners, pizza, pharmacies, banks. We want drive-in everything. And the idea is that Joanna and I talked about this, Joanna Lowe, and I, I believe we talked about yeah. it with Liss about time is the most valuable asset we have. And of all the substances in the world, time's the one that we abuse the most. Oh, Absolutely. I think uh, I think it's come to that point where everything needs to be instantaneous. Everything needs to be done at the snap of a finger, and if it's not, it's all ruined. It's and to, to me, it's just that's such an unhealthy way of doing things. And I was I was very much like that. And I think um, I I have uh, over the years kind of realized that a lot of my anger problems, like true anger problems, not this existential anger. That I will face, uh, that I will have sometimes, right? This the true anger, the ones that get me in trouble, is really comes from a loss of control, and especially when it comes to a loss of control on my time and productivity. That's when I've broken two phones and two laptop screens, right? That's what caused that to happen. But over time, kind of taking a moment to say, okay. This is going to take X amount of time, right? This project I know is going to take at least an hour to finish. So I'm going to take that hour to do it. I'm going to I'm going to budget myself an hour to do it. If it takes longer, that's okay. We'll have to amend what we need to amend, but it's not the end of the world, right? Just because I I've taken 5 additional minutes to do this one thing that I, you know, intended on doing. Five additional minutes. That's not the end of the world. But that's not how we're programmed right now. So what you're talking about is retraining your brain to take another perspective. Yeah. So quite often what we'll do is we'll do, I'll do an exercise with people where I'll be standing in the middle of the room and I'll ask them to stand in front of me and I'll mm -hmm. make a big smile. I'll say, what do you see? Well, I see your smiling face. And then I ask them to move around behind me and I'll bend over and I'll say, now what do you see? Well, I say, well, I see your butt. And I said, okay, well, did I move? And they said, right. no, they moved. Okay. <laughs> what most people get so frustrated with and irritated and cause the conflicts is because they try to manipulate this yeah. person's situation mm -hmm. or event, not understanding that they have a choice to move and take right. another perspective. And I think that's the individual aspect of it, right? The individual aspect of it is I can, I can choose to see the world in a pessimistic and cynical light. Or I can make a different choice and see what's good and see if we can't improve upon what's working. Sometimes I, I'll challenge people. I'll say, which end of the horse are you looking at right, today? Right. Exactly. Exactly. And Krish, no one or anyone or anything, no people, place, thing, or situation can make you 
throw that cell phone across the room or smash a <laughs> computer screen. Only you have the power to do yeah, that. Yeah, you have to take a little personal accountability for it. So what we yeah. do is we give our choices and we give our power away. Yeah, you have to let a little bit of that control go. You you have to be willing to say that and I'm I'm not a very religious person, mm -hmm. but you know, I I I I'd like to think that there's something that's bigger than us that controls the the way certain things work. I don't know what that is, but at certain points you got to let it go. You got to understand that whatever this this ethereal or um cosmic force is and I don't know what it is, right? You you can call it what you need to call it, but sometimes that's going to take control and that's going to that's going to take control of the wheel and and you just got to let it happen because the more you fight it, the more you're going to frustrate yourself. So, you know, in terms of whenever I'm having that moment, and, and we had this moment earlier today when we were uh, getting ready to leave and I was trying to, you know, get rid of some things off my computer and just close it down just shut it down for the day. Uh, it took a little bit longer than what it intended on doing and I could feel it. You know, I could feel that anger bubbling up and immediately it was like, you know what? I got to let it do what it needs to do. I'm going to take the minute and let it catch up. And I, ha I can't because me getting upset at this is going to, I'm going to overwork it, which is going to keep slowing it down. I'm going to start getting upset, which Liz already doesn't like it. So then she's upset and now we're slowing down even more. And it's spiraling us into this point where, you know, talking about time being so precious, we're on a tight timeline and we, and now it's going to make it even tighter and that's not good for either of us. Sure. So, well, when time slows down, we slow down. So who yeah. are some of your heroes? Who are some of the people you admire? <laughs> I think Stuart's uh, a hero of mine, Stuart Huff. Okay. I would, I, I look up to him. Uh, so let's stop right there and yeah. let's talk about Stuart Huff. How many, how many hours in a day does Stuart Huff have? How many hours? 24. 24. He doesn't yeah. have 30 or 40 right. or 50, does yeah. he? No. Okay, so he's mindful about how he uses that time is what you're telling me. I would me. say so. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. he doesn't have any more time than you do. And when we slow down, time slows down. Right. There's a Latin phrase that's called uh, festina lente. Mm. It's called make haste slowly. And you can certainly make haste slowly yeah. if you're mindful about what you're doing, paying attention on purpose, doing one thing mindfully at a time. I love that. I love that. That's uh, that's what I. It, it's hard. It's hard to do, uh, but slowly but surely, it's 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 crept more into my day, um, and it's uh, it's huge in terms of what you want to do and how you want to do it. it it's huge in, in compartmentalizing and organizing your day and really getting getting done what you need to get done. So part of that is, and and we both will kind of do this where, you know, hey, I need to play guitar today or uh, I need to write today. Great. I'm going to need to focus on it for at least two hours. Great. That means that we don't disturb each other for that two hours. We kind of let ourselves concentrate on that. And, sure. 
at the end of that two hours, hey, I really need you to do this thing. Okay, let me, okay, I'm going to finish this sentence and we'll, yeah, I'll come back to it. I've spent two hours on it. Maybe I need a break. But that's because we're taking time to do what we need to do. And, and that's, I think, that, but that's really hard. Well, and again, now, now we're going to challenge you, Mr. Chris. Yeah. Please check out our website at fishingwithoutbait.com, where you can listen to the show, comment on our discussions, and find out where you can subscribe to our podcast. If you're interested in flying the colors of Fishing Without Bait, click the shop icon on our website. We have clothing, mugs, cell phone cases, and so much more. Show the world that you fish without bait. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.